0: Welcome to Fleet Auto News Podcast. I'm Caroline Falls and today I'm speaking with Balz Eckenberger, co-founder of Swiss-based Fleet Competence Group, a fleet management business operating throughout Europe and in the US. It's a great chance for us to catch up on developments in fleet in Europe. It's important for our Australian and New Zealand audiences to know what's going on in Europe, because so many of our laws and regulations in the automotive field end up following Europe's lead. Think ANCAP, the Australian Automotive Safety Protocols. This is because Europe has the most stringent standards in the world, particularly when it comes to vehicle emissions. Let's get going. Welcome, both.
1: Welcome, Caroline. Thank you very much to offer me the chance to talk to you today.
0: Now, firstly, let's talk about where you are exactly and what time it is. I'm in Sydney where it's presently 6pm and very cold by our standards, not yours in Switzerland, but it's early morning for you there, right?
1: Yeah, it's not so early anymore. It's 10 o'clock in the morning and oh. the weather is nice. Sun is shining. Uh, it was raining the last few days, but uh, now our summer is coming. We just are in early summer and we are waiting for a hot, beautiful summertime.
0: And where are you? You're in Zurich,
1: Oh, we right? We are based uh, next to the Lake of Constance in the eastern part of Switzerland, about one hour from Zurich and uh, about two Miles from the Austrian front, John.
0: Oh, glorious. I talked a little bit about Fleet Competence, your group, in the intro, but can you tell us a bit more, like when Fleet Competence was founded, how many markets you might be operating in, and what you see as your mission? Uh,
1: So we are... Uh, Fleet competence was founded exactly 10 years ago. So we have our 10th anniversary this year and we started in the beginning in Switzerland, Germany, and then following customer needs, we now are active in about in most European markets and in the US. We work together with a partner network and what we really offer to companies is a single point of contact. Uh, when they come to us, we offer them with our partners in all countries the same methodol- method- methodics for fleet uh, problems like uh, car policy alignment or tenders and things like this. And they just have one point of contact, and we can help them with the same in the same way in, in France, in Germany, in Austria, in Switzerland. And this is something which didn't exist before. And I think this is also what is the was this advantage of our fleet competence group and our partner network uh, with about 55 partners worldwide.
0: Okay, so it's good to know that background because it helps establish your authority to talk about sort of all things fleet throughout Europe. Um, Now, I met you virtually uh, in Switzerland in early 2020 when I was there and headed to the Geneva Motor Show and a conference that you had organised, but it all got cancelled at the last minute because of COVID. That was so disappointing. And we've since become masters at managing disappointment, to say the least. But let's catch up and have you tell us about how tumultuous the intervening period has been for your group the industry in Europe, and some of the disruptions that, that you witnessed?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the time was really tough. It started when we couldn't organize our international fleet event in Geneva in 2020. Uh, everything was ready. Everything was down already. And four days before this big event, everything was stopped. So we were shocked. We had a lot of costs. We didn't like it because for our group, this is one of the most important events at this international motor show. We meet our customers from all countries. We meet uh, leasing companies and all these guys. And the, the personal contact was very important for our group until then. So as everybody, we had to get organized in a different way. And in the last few years, we learned how to organize much more virtually. And I must say, after all, it was not a bad experience. We learned a lot. And our business didn't go down. We could maintain on the same level. We are much more productive today. We really make a difference if you have a virtual meeting or a real meeting. We learned that with virtual meeting, a lot of things are possible, and there's no need to travel around all the time for each meeting. So I think, after all, we didn't like to start this uh, this experience, but after all, it was still a good experience, and we learned a lot. And I think uh, it made our group stronger, after all.
0: Sounds like um, it's been uh, a good experiment and learning. Curve for sustainability. less, yes. less travel.
1: And uh, when you, maybe for the second uh, for the second question in your f- first question, uh, what did this mean in Europe? I mean, if you look at our customers, uh, many of them learned to. To work with the employees at home, home office has grown a lot, and uh, we just made, we just conducted a market study to find out uh, what this means now. What is, after all, will they stay with home office or not? Will they go? Uh, will they all go back to the office? And it was really very interesting to learn that in Switzerland, for example, about. 25% of all the companies we asked and gave us an answer said uh, home office will be a part of the future way how we work with our people. So and also we asked us some some question about the mobility. One question is, uh, what do you think? Will you be more mobile in the future or not? Will you will you search for different mobile uh, ways to be mobile? And it was also very interesting what you get as an answer. So uh, most of the company think that uh, home office will be a part of the future work. And they are also looking at new forms of mobility. This all has to do with this COVID and with with the different ways we had to organize our work. So they talk about uh, car sharing. They talk about mobility budgets, uh, about new forms of mobility. There's a lot of new ideas coming up. And many of the companies also are just working on their car places to change the, some rules for the employees. So, Uh, Electro-mobility is a big topic. Uh, So uh, there's a lot of change in this market at the moment.
0: Oh, great. So COVID, the catalyst for change. Um, A lot of things that you've just touched on. I do have some questions sort of along those lines later. Um, But just talking about the Geneva Motor Show and the conference that you organised, did it go ahead this year? It did, didn't it? And how was it? Uh, what were some of the highlights? And what was it like to be with people again?
1: There was no show this year either. There was a very small event, but just for some uh, journalists, I think, a very, very small thing where they ha- where they uh, promoted the car of the year and things like this, but it was a closed uh, a closed event; it was not open to public. So the, the Geneva Motor Show, as we know it, didn't happen again. They talk about to reorganize it next year, but no more on the same level, uh, because in uh, in the earlier years it was always about ten days, and two of these days were for press days. Uh, they talk about a week next year, no more in March, but in February. And we are not quite sure if this will work, if people will come, if they will ever be on the same level as they used to be before. Because I think so many things changed. And also the UOMs learned to sell their cars differently. I'm not sure if they are willing again to spend all this money for these for this, uh, big public shows. We saw it, for example, last year. There was a big show in Munich, the EAA. Which used to be in Frankfurt before was for the first time in Munich, but it was a different show. It was no more a car show. It was a kind of a mobility show. So uh, between all the cars, you had uh, almost more bicycles and new mobility ideas. The event took place uh, in Munich, not only in an in event place. It was, there were several spots in Munich where this event happened. So it was very special and, uh, Not all people liked it. Some thought it was a great idea, it will be the future, but the the opinions were at least divided. So it will be very interesting to see what will happen with these famous big motor shows. There may be a lot of change as well in the future, I think.
0: Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, Sounds a little bit sad, actually. Um, Okay, let's talk electric vehicles now. I don't know if you know Australia is considered a real laggard in the adoption of EVs, in part thanks to very slack government policies that don't incentivise the market like those of Europe. Things are turning around quickly now, though, as we have a new government that is looking serious about climate change policies. including things to promote more sustainable transport models. But for now, we also have a problem here in getting supply of the most up-to-date vehicle models and often attribute that to stricter European policies that have car makers prioritising Europe over the down-under market to sell their new vehicles. So... Can you tell us about European policies that are in now and that are coming that foster adoption of EVs?
1: Okay, uh, this is a, <laughs> one of my favorite topics at the moment, the EV mobility, because as you know, as in most countries, nobody talked about electric vehicles seriously about five years ago. And things changed a lot. I just, uh, I just got a a paper from Fleet Europe in my hands yesterday. And there it's written that now in 2030, we think about true fleet EV sales in European fleets will be 30%. 30%. That's a lot. And uh, when we talk about Europe, Europe is not one country we have a lot of different countries and we have a lot of special rules and depending on the rules the ev sales are very different i can give you some examples for example in norway the ev of the the ev of total fleet the true sales are 83% 83% can you believe this 83% Absolutely. but norway was the, the country in Europe that started very early and they fully pushed the EV. Then on the other side, the last one is Poland. In Poland, we have 2%, 2%. So we have between 2% and 83% everything. Some other major markets like Sweden, we are at about 55%, Netherlands 37, Germany 31, Belgium 30, UK 27, Switzerland, about 22 These are, by the way, the 2021 numbers. Uh, France, 20%. Italy, uh, 18%. Why is this so different? When we look at the map, then we see that the Nordics, you have a lot of support. Then there are some other other countries where you have at least some support. Uh, United Kingdom, France, Germany, Switzerland, and then you have some countries with almost no support. Poland, Italy, Spain, Ireland. And so the, the EV topic in, in uh, Europe is quite different. So this is where we are now. But talking about what we feel when we have our consulting Projects, we see that a lot of especially international companies they really have to go for EVs because most of them have zero emission targets. And how will you ever go in the direction of zero emission without pushing EV? So very often now the the general management. Uh, gives the targets for companies and I'm personally in two big projects at the moment where we just have all the discussion and the funny thing is uh, normally when we have fleet projects you have to do with purchasing, fleet managers and maybe HR but this time when we talk about EV in both big projects the, the CEOs are involved in these projects. It seems to be a big change an important change for companies so the the tension we have in Europe for this EV topic is very big. So they all would like to, but the interesting part is, can they bring the vehicles on the streets? <laughs> no, they can't. Why? Because we have some problems with uh, the delivery. Just to give an example, if you order a Skoda Enyaq, which is one of the most wanted fleet cars in Europe, uh, you have When you order it now, you will get it in 18, 18 months. 18. It's not a joke. And uh, there are some others which you can have earlier. Tesla at the moment is quite good because you have the new uh, factory next to Berlin. You can have a Tesla Y within about five months. Uh, a Tesla 3 is about six months. So for Tesla, it's okay. And something else, which is funny, some new brands, which were not typically fleet brands, now have a big chance, like Hyundai, Kia, for example, as they have perfect cars. Kia, which was uh, selected like a car of the year at the Geneva Motor Show with the new EV. So these cars have a big chance because their delivery is easier than the one of the famous Volkswagens. Uh, for example, or or SCOTAs and others where, where they have just these delivery problems. This may be a temporary problem, but at the moment it's a big problem and it pushes some customers to choose or to change the car policy, especially the ones that decide they want to do something now and not wait two years until they can bring the first car on the street. So it's a very, very interesting, but also a very complicated topic. And the the interesting question is, how or when will this change? When will we get normal delivery solution? We don't know it's also depending a little bit on the war in the ukraine where for example volkswagen had a big problem because some parts were manufactured there but i just learned last week that they were very intelligent so they took out the crews that uh, that uh, produced these missing parts they brought them all to i think czechoslovakia uh, and there now they they built as kind of a plant intense and can at least now produce some of the parts. So uh, we, we hope the situation will get better in the coming months, but personally, I think this year it will be tough if we want to get an uh, electric car soon on the street.
0: We'll be back after a short break for a word from our sponsor, Sofico Services.
2: SofiCo is a world-leading provider of enterprise software for the automotive leasing, finance, and mobility industry. For more than 30 years, international leasing companies and OEMs count on SofiCo's expertise and technology to help them transform innovative product concepts into streamlined business processes and engaging customer experiences. With more than 370 experts, eight offices on four continents and an annual growth averaging 15%. Sophico is perfectly positioned to help its customers succeed in a rapidly changing market where electrification, shared fleets and multimodal mobility challenge us and our customers to play a pioneering role. Continuous investment in people, innovation and leading edge technology is the basis for continued
0: growth and success. Amazing. Just amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's all so volatile and <clears throat> dynamic, so everyone has to be very uh, quick thinking and, and, and act fast. Um, we sort of talked about it a little bit earlier, but yeah, I'd just love to get you to talk a little bit more about these shared mobility trends in, in Europe. Um, When we talked back in the early days of COVID, there was a rush on hire cars and and avoidance of public transport. And um, I was wondering if that penchant of drivers to have their own vehicle amid the pandemic also upset the trends to mobility as a service or math. And, um, you know, what... The long-term implications that that were, but you touched earlier on saying that everybody's thinking is sort of like changing, and that they're looking at all of these different things. So, yeah, tell me tell me a bit more about what's going on there.
1: Yes, uh, this is a very interesting topic indeed. And as you know, I probably told you we founded a new company two years ago, exactly for this topic, the first mobility group. And there we tried to touch these new topics for like uh, mobility budget, as you said, uh, where the idea idea is not to offer a car or a train ticket to to the employees, but a choice, a choice that is defined by the employer. So he says, for example, you have a budget, $1,000 and uh, months and you can choose and we as a company we decide what you can choose why is this important if you want to reduce co2 then it's better when you give the choice when you have an influence on all the, the options the employer has if you just give him a budget of 1000 dollars and he does what he wants like a cash allowance, then you have absolutely no influence on how he spends his money. And uh, this is completely different with the mobility budgets and these new systems where you say, for example, okay, you can choose a, a, a car, Apple, many of the OEMs now offer also these Apple solutions where you have some shorter terms. You can, for example, choose a, a Audi A3 for six months and then you think about something else in, in for another six months or whatever. Or you can choose... Traditional leasing, or you can choose a train ticket, or maybe you can choose uh, Uber uh, coupons, or you can also choose home office kit. This is also part of the mobility budget, especially if you're allowed. Uh, to work two days at home, then this means also that somebody should pay for some infrastructure at home. This can also be part of the mobility budget. And another big topic is, especially with EVs, uh, the the whole electricity part, the the wall wall box, things like this can be part of this mobility budget. And not to forget, it's maybe not the same problem in Australia, but here in Europe we have this problem, parking spots. Parking spots are very limited and uh, one Part of such a mobility budget can also be a parking spot at the company with or without wall box. If you want this, then you pay for it. It will reduce your budget. This is all the idea about this mobility budget. And there's a lot of talk about this topic for years now, three or four years. The thing is, if then you want to order it, then it gets much more difficult. And uh, why? Because it's a completely change of, of what happened before, and it's also much more complicated. We just had such a discussion with a uh, with uh, international company. Uh, first, there was there were workshops for a, a few months with uh, the procurement woman and the uh, the fleet manager. They, they all found it a very uh, good concept, and then suddenly at the final meeting there was somebody else from the top management. They said, "Yeah, but it sounds complicated. Why don't we just give these guys a, car, a cash allowance? It's so much easier for us." And this is exactly. what is happening now the good ideas need much more energy to develop them and also to yeah to offer them to the employees cash allowance or just a car is an easy one but you will not get at the lower co2 emission and it goes even further especially here in europe Uh, we have some countries Spain, for example, when you have a plant and you have a certain number of employees, I'm no more sure, but I think something like more than 500, then you have to show a concept how you will influence all the commuting, not just the company cars, but everybody coming to work, how you you intend to to make this as CO neutral as possible. And these mobility budget things – would help not just to give it to people that now have company cars but to influence the the, the all the mobility of all employees from company so there's a lot of discussion, but it's still in a in a we are not there where, where we have ten different solutions a lot of things are just in a late developing state, but it's not It's not, uh, we need some more time. It's not finished yet and the the company will be developed with some, uh, these concepts will be developed with some companies that want to go this way and there, there will be We will need some first movers who really want to do this, and then the wall will break and all the others will be there. And we are just now, many of them are pushing, but the wall is still uh, standing, and I think it takes maybe another year or maybe two, but then we are there. Uh, And uh, so it's a really interesting thing. And we are fully in this topic as well with the second company because we didn't want to mix it. We also did it with some other partners which have this special IT uh, knowledge because you need a lot of IT knowledge to do this. And, uh, yeah, so we are also one of the movers in this field.
0: So obviously we need a lot of commitment and it's a real watch this space area and I'll be watching that space. So have to talk to you again in in another year or so. Um, now I'd like to finish up with a completely open ended question where you maybe want to tell me about something that my questions didn't enable you know you to talk about. For example, you might want to tell us about which I think you've actually touched on quite a bit uh, the European mood for tackling climate change and, you know, what companies are doing there, or you might want to talk about, um, you know, data. Um, you already just said in in your last uh, comment that uh, there's so much data and how companies need that data to uh, improve or reduce their carbon footprint. Anyway, over to you, Balps, for the final words.
1: Thank you very much, Karleen. Maybe there's one topic we didn't really touch. I mean, we talked now about the fleet. We talked about the EV thing. We didn't talk about the OEMs. And there are also some differences because I just for this interview, I made a search yesterday. I want to find out if there are some differences between uh, the targets OEMs have in Europe compared to other countries and indeed there are so I can just give you some information there fantastic for example BMW wants to wants to be carbon neutral by 2050 they don't make a difference between Europe and other countries but for example they will offer the mini brand electric only by 2030 and uh, Ford, for example, say that all European Ford will be electric in 2030. And you see, we talk about the European Fords, not all the Fords in the world. Volvo, they say uh, they will also be all electric in 2030. Volvo now meaning Chile. Chile is the major brand. Then GM will be 100% pure electric sales by 2035, and they will be carbon neutral in 2040. But there are some others, for example, I'm just looking for the one. You see Stellantis, for example. Stellantis is the brand now. Opel is one of their brands and some others. They, for example, say uh, 2030, 100% battery electric vehicle sales in Europe and 50% in the US. So you see, they make another difference. We have 100% in Europe by 2030, but only 50% in the US. Uh, Then Toyota, also very special, Toyota will be all electric in Europe by 2035, but carbon neutral in 2050. Audi will only launch we launch all the brands as battery electric vehicles from twenty twenty-six on. And the production of ECE ends ends in two thousand thirty-three. That's the only brand where I could see a clear finish date where they say two 20- thousand. And 33, we will produce no more ECE, which is a clear statement, I think. And uh, the Audi brand uh, will also be neutral, uh, Volkswagen, sorry, not Audi, will be carbon neutral in 2050. So what we can say, Europe will reach an all-electric sales share of 30% for passenger cars, vans, and trucks by the end of 2030. That is at least written in this article. So I like this article. I think the number sounds really realistic to me.
0: Sounds uh, amazing. I'd like to get a copy of that article. Can you email it to me?
1: Yes, I will.
0: All right. Just to sign off with you, I love to travel and meet up with people from all over the world. And it's been lovely to join you today virtually and catch up on what's happening in the fleet world in Europe. Thanks for your time, Bolts.
1: Thank you very much, Harleen. It was a pleasure. One more time, Mm -hmm. I will always give you information if there's a need and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you a lot.
0: Fleet Auto News Podcast It was edited and produced by Isabella Fiorentino Thank you again to our new sponsor Sofico Services It's great to have you on board The original theme music for this podcast was created by Isabella Fiorentino You can follow us on Spotify Just search for Fleet Auto News We're also on Instagram Facebook, and YouTube. Our website is fleetautonews.com where you can get all our stories, videos, and podcasts. Until next time, drive safely and take care.